the human experience. Hello, I'm Professor Catherine Colborne, the head of the School of Humanities and Social Science at the University of Newcastle in Australia. Our school is dedicated to assisting our students to become critical thinkers, enabling them to appreciate and understand the world around them. Our researchers examine all facets of what it means to be human. We form partnerships with like-minded groups and researchers. This podcast series, The Human Experience, explores important questions about humanity, society and current events. Join us for thought-provoking conversations with our humanities and social science scholars who are helping to improve the human experience through their research. Hello, I'm Cathy Colborne, and today we're talking to Professor Daryl Evans, Deputy Vice-Chancellor Academic at the University of Newcastle. As the Deputy Vice-Chancellor Academic, Professor Evans leads the transformation of the university's education and academic endeavours. Daryl has extensive experience in curriculum development, innovation and enterprise, technology enhancement and learning spaces. He has been an active contributor to local, national and international debate and policymaking. He has also moved through all levels of academic advancement from the PhD and postdoc through to lecturer, reader and professor, so he's developed an understanding of the importance of creating an environment conducive to excellence in both research and education. Daryl has an academic background as an anatomist and developmental biologist and his biological research program has focused on the mechanisms underlying cell movement and tissue assembly during development and repair, with an emphasis on the musculoskeletal system. Professor Evans is a Fellow of the Royal Society of Biology, the Royal Microscopical Society, and the UK Higher Education Academy. Thank you for joining us today, Daryl. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start on a more personal note, if I can. What inspired you to go to university and what did you most enjoy about your studies? That's a really interesting question because I was a first-in-family person to university, so university wasn't in people's minds, but it felt like the logical next step for me. Um, I was really into exploring new things, um, from from a kid being excited about exploring in the back garden through to... Um, other experiences that I'd had. So it just felt the next part of the learning um, journey for me. I suppose in terms of what I enjoyed most is I suppose I'm an experiential person. So I like getting hands-on, um, writing projects and being involved with others and working with others. And I found my university course a, a really good one to enable that to, to, to flourish. And so you enjoyed your university days? Yeah, I do. I did. I, I look back well with fond memories and I've obviously got, still got a lot of friends from, from those university days, which is nice. So your own research field of um, anatomy and uh, related fields that I've described already occupies a really distinctive place in the world of medicine and also within the medical humanities. So were you ever interested in other subjects or disciplines in the humanities, for example? So I did a degree called Biomedical Sciences, which I always refer to as a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, um, and that gave me an opportunity to look at lots of different areas. So I always knew the sciences was more along my lines. I'd been interested in biology, um, so we lived near a woodland, and so I used to spend many a day as a kid in, in that woodland exploring things. But also um, I read the books of Gerald Durrell, um, and that really inspired me to, to think differently about biology and the characters that animals and um, the way plants had a real effect on the environment. 
And so I think I was always directed down that route and therefore, but I was never defined down one particular subject. So when um, I studied anatomy as part of that biomedical degree, that was the one that just sort of sparked that interest. But I love your idea around the arts and the science because to me, anatomy is the bridge between art and science. So anatomy is beautiful to me. Um, and I think about it very much in an artistic um, and way. Um, whereas it, it's also a very true science. It's a very functional element. It enables us to do the things we do on a daily basis. So I think I've had the best of both worlds sitting in the, the field of anatomy, actually. Mm, that's so interesting in that there's a, a very strong current of nature writing in the UK at the moment, which is also coming into Australian writing. So just as, as an aside, people reflecting on, on nature and science together through, through writing. Yeah, so you've been involved in higher education leadership for a number of years now, both in Australia and also internationally, and you will have seen many changes in that time. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about some of those changes and why they're important for us to understand and also how they've shaped your approach to leadership. Um, I think the biggest change that I've seen but hasn't been instant is a much more learner-focused learner focused element. So really thinking about the student and what the needs of that, that learner are. But I think we've been bombarded, particularly in the last 10 to 20 years in higher education, from a number of disruptions. And those disruptions particularly have been in the digital um, um, world and about how we think about using uh, technology within our pedagogies um, and therefore how we will present a, a really good experience to our students. Um, but I'm one of those people who really pushes if the technology doesn't allow you to do something you never were able to or something very differently to what you were enabled before, then I wouldn't use the technology within this. So I think that's been a big disruption. I think the way um, jobs are changing, we've had to refocus the way then we are leading our students along a pathway to success. And I think that that is our, our main role. And so we've had to adapt and respond to that appropriately because of that changing sort of higher education world that's out there. So I'm interested in this new generations of learners. So what kinds of things do these learners need to be thinking about, do you think, from our if we're trying to shape their curriculum? So I think they... They've got to be much more resilient um, um, than they were, um, more agile. Um, they have the prospect of having four to five careers, um, maybe 10 to 15 jobs in their lifetime, very different to, to me and my generation. And therefore, they, I think, are on much more of a path to lifelong learning. Um, and therefore, they need to be able to have their learning journeys personalised much more to them and their needs. So being able to come back to learning whenever they need to, um, um, but also identifying when they need help uh, and when they need um, an invigoration of knowledge or invigoration of skills development or whatever that might be. Mm, I think that personalisation approach is really disruptive, actually, because we've been used to thinking of mass education and cohorts and groups so we're having to now tailor it for individual audiences almost, aren't we? I think so. And I think one of the really interesting facts is that we've always um, got hold of data on students that is actually non-personal data. It's very demographical type of uh, information that is useful to us, but it doesn't allow you to shape learning around those personal aspirations that somebody has or mm. the background that they've come from and therefore mm. the way they're thinking about their future and what means what success means for them, mm. um, which is very, very different for every single student um, right. that we have at the university. Mm. It's been a huge shift, I think. And under your leadership as Deputy Vice-Chancellor Academic, we've seen transformation 
And the university has been in the process of developing and embedding a new education framework uh, on your watch. I'm interested in hearing you talk about that. So it's been a, a really interesting journey. Um, and I think one of the things when I came to the University of Newcastle is you always have your assumptions of, of what the institution is going to be like, where it's placed in its, in its um, approach to learning and teaching. And I was really interested by seeing some really good elements of, of, of teaching and learning, but rather pocketed across the university. And I think universities have brought in strategies and transformations, but again, they've done it in a rather pocketed way. So I took a lot from that to think about making sure that we had a holistic and integrated approach um, to our transformation for learning and teaching. And I think by doing that, um, people are then focused across the whole of that student learning journey that they have in front of us, rather than just changing one thing, because that one thing can have a number of downstream effects to it. So if we think about it a little bit more broadly, I think that's really um, been the, the focus and the, and the need for, for, for that change. I think the overall emphasis of the framework is, is twofold. I think one around educator enablement, putting our educators in the driving seat, um, building their capabilities and their confidences um, and opening their, their eyes to new things, new ways of doing things. Um, and hopefully we've been able to embed that excitement within them and they're, they're, they're knowing that there is a support mechanism behind them to achieve those goals. And the other is around learner success at the end of the day. And that encompasses everything from what the learning outcomes we want our students to have um, by the physical and the, the virtual environments that we place around them through to the dynamic support we want to provide. Again, knowing that we have a very diverse set of students and they have very different needs. Mm. So let's start with those, those learners then. So we've just been talking about future generations uh, of students and their needs. So I'm wondering where you might see or what you would say universities have been doing um, around this next generation of learners. Where have the, the good parts of the work been? What's been happening? I think going back to that whole element around personalisation, I think that's started to get better. Um, and I think that's because of the availability of learning much more widely through technology. So students can Google anything. Students can get hold of information in lots of different ways. There's a lot more choice um, for, for a student. So I think we've had to respond to that by making sure that we, we listen to those students and provide them something that is really beneficial to their individual journey um, moving along. I think we have, as I said earlier, we've become much more learner-focused so that we challenge ourselves appropriately. So when we're developing a curriculum or the learning support that we put around there, we challenge, is that right? Is that right for our particular cohort um, of students at Newcastle? And I think that's really important. I think the other part for us is that we've moved much more to a blended approach to learning, um, which enables, I think, students to um, think about preparing and discovering before they come into the classroom with us. And then when they're in the classroom, to be much more interactive and collaborative together, learning together, challenging each other. So I think the teacher becomes much more the facilitator in the room at that point. But then hopefully that has led them to a point where they can then go away from that classroom experience and be able to explore and apply differently. So I think as much as it is a challenge for educators to move in that frame, I think it's the same challenge for, for students. And therefore we have to set expectations right and, and bring them with us on that journey. Mm, thank you. And turning then to um, enabling educators, that next generation of university instruction in the classroom, what kinds of changes do you think the new education framework uh, is signalling to our disciplines, thinking of our audience uh, for this discussion, those disciplines in the humanities and social science fields? 
So I think um, in in the Haas disciplines, there's always been an advantage. There's there's an advantage that it's been a much more interactive approach typically in the way um, um, students have have, have entered into their learning frame. Um, And what I mean by that is there has always been conversation, discussion, debate and analysis, um, much more so, I think, than in many other fields uh, and disciplines. And therefore, I think that that's given a fundamental basis for those disciplines that allows them to move into the blended, I think, in an easier way, if you take hold of take hold of that um, um, frame. I think where the Haas disciplines could do better is certainly about embedding more work-integrated learning experiences and opportunities for students. I think it's that um, that explore and apply piece that needs to be perhaps developed more um, in, in the Haas disciplines. And I think the other area is definitely assessment for me. I think um, universities typically do assessment poorly. And actually, it's one of the most important things for a student to understand whether they have being able to demonstrate the learning outcomes, not really for us as the university. And therefore, we typically, and Hass are guilty of it in the same way as others, of being much more traditional assessment approaches, essay after essay. Is that the right uh, approach that's going forward? So I think the challenge is to develop on the wonderful foundation that the disciplines have, but actually to augment that with some better ways around the sort of the experiential elements and also how we actually assess and demonstrate learning outcomes. Yeah, I think that's very exciting. And in fact, our students are responding really well to where we have made such changes in assessment items and uh, getting students to really think about how they are doing work that might apply to the so-called real world and so on. So, yeah, I think that's very exciting. Yeah. So I'd like to turn now to another innovation we've seen under your leadership at Newcastle and uh, with Haas Disciplines, and that's the creation of um, a much more exciting portfolio of online courses and initiatives. So you've been working across the university, but also with with the Bachelor of Arts Online, with FutureLearn. So it'd be interesting to hear about the the general online initiative, but also the BA online. Uh, And I think this has been a step change in higher education. I'm really interested to hear you talk about that. So for us as a university, it's not a matter of moving from a face-to-face to an online approach. It's about saying, how can we provide the best learning opportunities for our students? Um, With our diverse set of students, we know that they have um, other um, elements to their time, maybe through dependencies and needing a job or whatever. And so even within our face-to-face blended approaches, we want to make sure that there are online and electronic learning elements to that. And it's about us learning about the capabilities and capacities to be able to do that. But we also want to be able to provide a portfolio of completely online um, um, instruction and, and learning opportunities so that students, wherever they are based, and we have the joys of having regionally based students, that they can interact with their learning. But it's got to be in a really good way. Um, it's not an electronic distance learning program. We've got to in, ensure that students are able to socially interact with one another, that they're not isolated learners. And so when thinking about the types of platforms that we would go with, um, I explored very heavily with some of the ones that are out there. And when I had the discussions with FutureLearn a, a number of years ago, they were the ones who really wanted a pedagogical discussion, a real debate around storytelling, a real debate around how you could get social learning occurring within an on- online environment. And I was intrigued by that and excited by the potential. So that's why we've teamed up with, with, with FutureLearn in particular. 
And what I see from that relationship is one, them pushing our boundaries, but us pushing their boundaries back. So I think there's a synergy between the two of us um, um, that can create for a a good symbiotic relationship um, in that way. I would like to see more courses and programs and credentials um, offered through FutureLearn. But I think the more important one, and I think it's certainly one you you have found in your own school, Cathy, is around how we transform educators' capabilities, capacities, their thought process around designing their um, curriculum. And I think by doing it in the online space will not only help there, but it really will reinforce what we do in a blended approach for a face-to-face. So I think it um, is a real sort of um, driver and an enabler for us. Mm, Yeah, no, I totally agree. And in fact, um, having academics in front of microphones and cameras and in studios is also helping them think about how they present their research, how they communicate to the wider public and the engagement uh, part of what we do. Absolutely. And for me, um, communication has been one of my own pedagogical research um, areas. And and if I weren't allowing students to achieve anything by the end of their time with us. To be good communicators, to me, would be the one learning outcome that I'd want. But I'd want all of our educators to be in that comfortable space uh, of being able to communicate, as you say, whether it's their research or whether it's their education. Mm, No, it's really exciting. Thank you for that. So, Daryl, you obviously have a very global experience and viewpoint, so I'd love to press you on where you think university education is heading. What does it look like to you in around 10 years' time? So um, will universities still be here in 10 years' time? Yes, they will. Um, But we will have had to respond. We have to respond to all those disruptions because technology is not the answer to everything, but it's pushing us much, much faster. Um, So we've already always had disruptions to education, but with a technological age, it's just that rapidness of change is is very different. I think we'll become even more personalised Um, We'll have to respond in that way. We'll have to build systems and other things that uh, enable us to be in that space. I think there'll be a lot more around building your own degree, Um, lots about credentials and building that into something that is appropriate um, to take you forward as a a learner, and much more towards um, continuous learners, episodic learners and opportunistic learners. And I think they all are defined slightly differently. And so as a university, I think we'll continue to be knowledge creators um, and generators and I really hope we are but I think instead of being natural knowledge disseminators I think we'll have to become clever curators of knowledge Um, when as I said earlier when a student can google anything what tells them it's the right stuff that's the correct information it's not fake news um, and that they're reading about it's about us helping them by cleverly curating all of that knowledge and those opportunities for, for, for students. That sounds very exciting, actually, a a new frontier. So finally, what does it mean to you to be a senior leader in the contemporary university? It might be a a hard question in some ways, but I'm really excited to hear about what leadership means to you. I think that's really a really interesting question. And um, if I reflect on that, it's about making sure that you really do have a vision um, and a drive to take that vision forward. But it's no good having a vision if you don't have a good strategy that sits behind it, that enables it, and more importantly, that you're able to implement the strategy. Um, And that implementation phase to me is critical because otherwise it seems quite lofty to people. They they might like the idea of the strategy, but but what does it mean to me? How do I change? What's the enablers here uh, for for me to enact? But the other really big and important um, aspect of that is change. Um, and the ability to change manage as you do that so that bringing people with you because change is challenging 
for, for anyone. So I think if a, a leader can connect right the way from the vision down to understanding the change element through good implementation, to me that's, that, that would make a good um, senior leader. Um, I don't think the days of a senior leader coming in and just watching things tick over is good enough because there's so many disruptions out there. We need to, to, to challenge others, but we need to be challenged ourselves as leaders. Thank you so much. Daryl, it sounds like, well, I know higher education leadership at the University of Newcastle is very dynamic and definitely um, your support to our community is very valued. So thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you.